Double comes. Now it's out to uh, Carmelo. Carmelo looking to become number nine all time. He's got it. Passes below. <laughs> Carmelo, I said it earlier. He's just a professional scorer. What's up? What's up? What's up, LA basketball fans? It's your boy, LA Ray Harris, and welcome to another episode of LA Courtside podcast brought to you by the basketball podcast network and sponsored by draftkings.com you guys know when i start off my episodes i always have a little old school tune that i play just for a few seconds you know i'm really really into the old school music and on twitter i asked one of my twitter followers hoop talk 365 my man, that's a huge, huge Laker fan. He's on Twitter all the time, repping the Lakers. You know, he and I always have uh, Twitter conversations going back and forth. But I ask him, I say, Hoop Talk 365, you know, what old school tune would you like to hear in my next episode? And he said, Ray, bust out a little Frankie Beverly. So for Hoop Talk 365, that was for you, baby. Little Frankie Beverly. Frankie Beverly, one of the most iconic iconic vocalist in the in the world everyone knows about Frankie Beverly so I was glad Hoop Talk 365 wanted to hear a little piece of that hope you enjoyed that my brother and one of the uh, 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 lyrics or, or the lyric on there that I think is really really appropriate for Laker fans it, it, it says something I'm paraphrase, paraphrasing that uh, they, they, they really love the joy, but they can't stand the pain. Laker fans love it when their team is doing well. Love it. But when they're not, they can't stand the pain. Sometimes some of these Laker fans are ready to jump off the cliff. And in my first episode after the Lakers went 0-2, I mentioned, hey, Laker fans, you don't have anything to worry about. This team will be fine. So the Lakers, you know, they got off to the 0-2 start. And so did the Clippers, by the way. And I will be talking about them in my next segment. But starting with the Lakers, yes, they started off 0-2. And they looked really raggedy out there. Really did. But that is to be expected. They have, what, maybe 12, 11 or 12 new players on the team. The only players that remain from last year, of course, is LeBron James, Anthony Davis, THT. I believe that's it. And the rest of them are all new players. So obviously it was going to take them a while to get their cohesion, to get their chemistry together. And they did beat Memphis 121 to 118 and they played a whole lot better. Uh, but it's still going to take a it's going to take a minute. It's not like they're going to reel off 20 straight games here. There, there's still going to be some losses along the way, of course. But there are some very, very good positive signs in that 121 to 118 victory. 
before I even get to the Lakers, I tell you what, man, that John Morant, that dude is a beast. John Morant is a beast. 38 minutes, 13 out of 21. Five of seven from three-point land. Dude, dude had 10 assists. Torched the Lakers for 40 points. 40 big ones. And if he would have made a free throw at the end of that game, that game probably would have went into overtime and we would have a different outcome or we could possibly have a different outcome. But Moran is just, he's just a beast. And I also mentioned on one of my Twitter posts that he and Zion Williamson, both being from South Carolina, uh, it's a possibility that John Morant may even have a better career than Zion, especially if Zion keeps getting injured. But even if he doesn't, this kid is just outstanding, outstanding basketball player, fun to watch. But over to the Lakers and some of the positive vibes I got out of that game, one of them was Anthony Davis. And he was just very, very active, very active, very engaged. That's the Anthony Davis that everybody wants to see on a consistent basis. He played 34 minutes, was 8 out of 15 from the field, 1 of 3 from beyond the arc. He had 8 rebounds, 2 assists, 4 blocks. He probably altered another 4 or 5 shots. He was all over the place. And by the way, he did fall to the floor about five times. So, you know, my game by game over under for Anthony Davis falling on the floor is 3.5. Always take the over on that Laker fans. He will fall on the floor uh, at least four times. But he played very well, 22 points. And again, he was very, very active on the offensive and on the defensive end. And again, if he can deliver that type of output, on a game-by-game -game basis, of course, he's going to have some bad games along the way. Everyone does. But on a consistent basis, if he delivers that, he will be an all-star again. And the Lakers will really, really be hard to beat. LeBron James played his usual LeBron James game. Sort of like a pedestrian game for LeBron James, actually. 40 minutes, 7 out of 19 from the field. He continues to shoot well from beyond the arc. 4 out of 9. And he also has six rebounds and six assists for a total of 19 points. So LeBron did his thing. You know, that, you know that's just a guy again. We're not going to worry about LeBron James. He did take a fall in that game and was on the floor for for a few seconds. There it looks like it looked like he may have had a, a leg injury, but he got up and he's okay. Anytime that happens, when he goes to the floor. Laker fans will, and it once he gets up, Laker fans will breathe a sigh of relief. Uh, you cannot lose LeBron James, of course. When Anthony Davis goes down to the floor, uh, everybody holds their breath as well. We don't want anything to happen to the two superstars uh, this season. Hopefully they're healthy for the entire season. Now, going down to star number three, Russell Westbrook. Again, his field goal shooting has not gotten there yet. He's 5 out of 15, or was 5 out of 15 for the Memphis game, 37 minutes. Only 1 out of 4 from beyond the arc. But he did have 7 rebounds and 13 assists. Now, one thing I did like is the way he was distributing the basketball, especially early on, especially early on to uh, DeAndre Jordan. You know, gave him a couple of nice feeds on the inside for dunks. And that's a part of Westbrook's game that – I think if he delivers in that particular category as far as distributing, even more so than scoring, is going to serve the Lakers really, really well throughout this season. 
Russell Westbrook is going to have to learn that he does not have to be a volume shooter. He doesn't have to shoot the ball 15, 20 times every game. Now, there's going to be some games, of course, where he's going to be jacking it up. I mean, you know, he, he's been playing like this his entire career. So he can't turn off that switch every single night. And he even can't have in his mind, hey, I can't shoot the ball 15 times or I shouldn't be shooting it 15 times or I shouldn't be shooting it 20 times. You know, that's going to come with repetition game by game. Once he gets it in his mind, then it's going to become second nature that he doesn't have to do that. And if he continues to distribute the ball like he was doing against the Memphis Grizzlies, again, the Lakers are going to be really, really hard to beat. Now, one concern is that he had nine turnovers. And in the preseason, when the Lakers had a preseason game, Westbrook, or preseason games, I should say, Westbrook had an issue with turnovers. And now that we're in a regular season, you know, we don't want we don't want the turnover issue to rear its ugly head again. So he's going to have to to lower the amount of turnovers that he has, especially if he's going to be the ball dominant point guard, you know, coming on to this team. We know LeBron James is also ball dominant, but, you know, you really can only have one point guard on the floor. One guy who's going to be that distributor. And Westbrook is is that guy. So hopefully his field goal, the number of field goals that he shoots will go down and his field goal percentage will go up. And as far as him shooting from three, I mean, sometimes it's it's kind of kind of scary to watch. You know, sometimes it's like it, it's almost akin to uh, your fingernails on a chalkboard. You know, back in school, when some people used to do that, that screeching sound, screech, oh, just horrible, horrible. When he shoots that three, oh, my God. It's like you're thinking to yourself, oh, no, it's not going in. It's not going in. But he did make one. He was one out of four on that piece. So I think Westbrook is still trying to find his way, still trying to get his footing, still trying to fill out his teammates, trying to figure out, hey, what does LeBron James like the ball most? Uh, Anthony Davis, what does he like the ball most? Seems like he has a little connection so far with DeAndre Jordan, and that's good. But uh, he's going to have to blend in with the other three starters as well. Um, the other starter, by the way, uh, Mr. Baysmore, Bays as they call him. He only scored 11 points, but he was three out of three from the field and uh, two of two from beyond the arc. There was a Twitter, uh, one of my Twitter followers, that they, he was ready to get rid of Baysmore already. He said, man, this dude's garbage. He should be gone. Come on, man. Baysmore is a pro. He's a, he's a pro's pro. You know, he's not a stat stuffer. He's not going to be that type of guy. He's a role player. And he had the unenviable tax of having to try to guard uh, John Morant. And, you know, John Morant torched him and everybody else that was on him for 40 points. You know, there's nothing to be ashamed of in that. John Morant's going to be toasting a whole lot of people. But what you have to do and what Bazemore is trying to do is just make his shots. Morant, I'm speaking of, just as difficult as possible. And there were some occasions where, where Morant had to put up some difficult shots. But I'm not worried about a guy like Bazemore. He's a, he, he's a pro's pro. Now, when THT comes back, there's a possibility that THT may be inserted in that starting lineup once THT gets uh, gets his conditioning together and things like that. But as of right now, Bazemore is the starter, and I think he's a viable option to be that fifth starter for the Lakers. DeAndre Jordan, again, he played pretty well. He had eight rebounds. 
uh, played 14 minutes, four or five from the field. Again, he had those couple of nice looks from uh, from Russ, and uh, he's playing his role. He's 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 doing his thing. He was minus 15 while he was on the floor, by the way, but uh, not worried about DeAndre Jordan. Again, if, if they keep rotating those guys, he and Dwight Howard, who played 18 minutes, two or two from the field, if they can get some decent output from those guys, and the Lakers will be okay at the center position. Again, I would have rather had JaVale McGee. Maybe that's another discussion for another day. Uh, if you had to pick two out of those three guys, I would have had or I would have chosen uh, JaVale McGee and DeAndre Jordan as opposed to Dwight Howard. But they have what they have. So if Anthony Davis is not playing the five, then you're going to have DeAndre Jordan or you're going to have Dwight Howard starting at that five position. Now, the brightest of the brightest stars, the brightest star on that night, as as you heard the clips while Frankie Beverly was playing back in stride, you heard the clips of Carmelo, Carmelo, the scoring assassin. This is exactly what they brought him in L.A. to do. They did not bring Carmelo in here to play defense. So Twitter, some of you Twitter followers that are harping on Carmelo's defense. Oh, my God, when Carmelo is out there, whoever he's guarding, he can't guard anybody. Dude, Carmelo, when has Carmelo Anthony been a defensive player? Do you remember those Syracuse days when he used to play for Syracuse? Is there anybody that comes out of Syracuse, do they ever play any defense? Bayheim plays the 2-3 zone from minute number one to minute number 40. None of those guys ever played man-to-man. So when they get to the NBA, they're horrible defenders. You know, Carmelo Anthony was, is no exception. He's not a great defensive player, but they don't need him for that. It's not like whoever he's guarding scores every single time down the floor when Carmelo is guarding somebody. He's just average defensively or maybe just a, a tad bit below average, you can say. But if he has games like he had against Memphis when he played 28 minutes, 10 out of 15 from the field, 6 of 8 from three-piece land, baby, plus 19 in the plus-minus column, 28 big points. He became the number time, number nine, I'm sorry, all-time scorer in NBA history, passing, I believe, Carl Malone. That's what Anthony is here to do. I tell you what, Laker fans, you get that consistency out of Camilo Anthony on a game-by-game basis, they're going to be tough. They're going to be tough. Keep in mind, the Lakers still don't have THT. Trevor Reza is out. Kendrick Nunn is out. Once they get those three guys back in there, look out. Look out, Western Conference. You know, L.A. is going to be tough. And, again, the Clippers are going to be tough as well. I'll get to them in a minute. But th- these guys are going to be really, really good and really, really hard to beat once they get their players back. Malik Monk it's another guy, young guy, hungry. 21 minutes, four out of seven from the field, two of three from beyond the arc. 12 big points. He was plus 19 when he was on the floor. And then lastly, Reeves, Austin Reeves, Hillbilly Kobe, as some folks in L.A. are calling him. This guy is starting to get a huge following in Los Angeles. I tell you what, I know he's a rookie. and He's an undrafted rookie, as a matter of fact. You know, a lot of people forget if you if you're a huge fan of college basketball and watch any other Oklahoma Sooners games, you would know who this guy is. Austin Reeves, guy can play. He only scored four points, but he didn't embarrass himself out there. 18 minutes, two of three from the field. Oh, of one from beyond the arc. He had three assists, however, plus 18 when he was on the floor. 
plus 18. That means he was not embarrassing himself when he was out there. Okay? So, you know, you have a guy like that as the season goes along. He's going to get more experience. He's going to get more confidence. You can see the confidence that he had just running up and down the court. You know, he did not look out of place at all. But, you know, he didn't have to take a whole lot of shots with Carmelo out there. Bombing away from three. Six out of eight, Carmelo. He was just torching, torching Memphis. They couldn't do anything with him. So the Lakers, you know, they got off the schneid. They got off the schneid. They won that first game, got that out the way. So now let's see if they can keep that consistency up, see if they can keep it going. Sometimes all it takes is, is one game just to, you know, just to, like I say, get off the schneid, so to speak, get that first victory out the way, you know, get people to stop talking about, Oh, these guys are so old, and uh, Palinka made all these bad decisions by bringing all of these new guys onto the team. Let it let it work itself out, guys. Let it work itself out again. These are smart basketball players. LeBron James, we, we all know how LeBron James is. He's a coach on the floor. So is Rondo. Rondo did not play this game, by the way, uh, coach's decision. But he and LeBron James are both, both very, very smart, high IQ basketball players. They're not going to let this thing fail. They're going to figure it out. It's just a matter of how far the Lakers are going to go when the playoffs start. How deep are they going to go into the playoffs? So are the Lakers, are they are they back in stride because of this win? Back in stride again, baby, just like Frankie Beverly say. Like, like, like my man Hoop Talk 365, a Lakers fanatic. Stay with your team, folks. Stay with your team. Don't abandon the team. Don't jump the ship. Don't fall off the cliff. The Lakers will be just fine in the end. Before I get to my next segment in which I'll talk about the L.A. Clippers who got their first victory. They got off the schneid as well as the Lakers did. Here's a word from our sponsor, DraftKings.com. The NBA is back in that DraftKings Sportsbook an authorized sports betting partner of the NBA. The key to victory is a strong starting five. New customers can bet just $5 on any NBA team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. So why not make your roster Washington, 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 and oh yeah, Washington. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get skinned in the game with new same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more lays you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet just $5 on any NBA team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an authorized sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
ball movement, corner three for George, and boy, he has just been electric this start, and a great start here for the Clippers, 7-3. Jackson looks to attack, walled off by a pair of red defenders, steps away, oh my, what a shot by Jackson. Bernard, a contested three, oh my goodness, he has become radioactive. Canard with 20 off the bench. All right, all right, all right, L.A. basketball fans. Again, this is your boy, L.A. Ray Harris of L.A. Courtside Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at L.A. Courtside Pod and also on Instagram at L.A. Courtside. And again, this podcast is brought to you by the Basketball Podcast Network. And we are sponsored by DraftKings.com. That little tune I was playing there real quick, Morris Day in the Time, Jungle Love. I know you all remember that movie, Purple Rain. Very, very good movie. Although that movie was centered and the focal point was Prince. Uh, rest in peace also, my brother Prince. Uh, I think the musical stars of that movie was the time with that particular song right there, Jungle Love. And then the other song called The Bird, I think as far as the music in that song and the performances, I think the time kind of turned it out. Prince did his thing. Of course, Prince is one of the greatest artists of all time. But in that particular movie, I really, really enjoyed Morris Day and the time and how they performed both of those songs. But in any event, let me get to the. L.A. Clippers and the game that they had against the Portland Trail Blazers. And again, this is the first win for the Clippers. So both of the L.A. teams now have gotten off the schneid and have uh, posted a victory in the win column. So hopefully they both can go on a little streak here. But the Clippers, I tell you what, that team looks really, really good, folks. The, the ball movement on that team is just outstanding the way that they share the ball and move it around. And before I get deep into the Clippers talk, one thing I want to mention is as far as the trailblazers go is Damian Lillard. He just did not look like he was into it at all. All of the Portland starters were minus in the plus minus column. And Damian Lillard was no exception. He was minus 22, but he was only four out of 15 from the field or of eight from three point from the three point line. And, he looks like a guy that does not want to play with the Portland Trail Blazers. Chauncey Billups is going to have a difficult job on his hands for this team. They have some talent on his team, of course. You have Nurkic, you have Lillard, you have McCullum, uh, you have Little, you have Covington, Larry Nash Jr. You got some good players on this team, but I don't know, man. I don't know. Damian Lillard just doesn't look like he wants to be playing with Portland, but he's not the type of guy that's going to be out there demanding trades. You know, he's not going to be a Ben Simmons. He's not going to be that P word like Ben Simmons is. I'm going to bring that back again. He's not going to do that. But uh, it just doesn't look like he wants to be there. But one thing that slowed him down, of course, is Eric Bledsoe. There was someone posted on Twitter 
you know, who's going to who's gonna guard Damian Lillard in this game? I immediately put up there Eric Bledsoe. That's what you brought him over for. Eric Bledsoe is a bulldog, man. He was only two of eight from the field or four from beyond the arc. He's not the greatest shooter from three-point three land. Uh, he did have seven assists and five rebounds, but the guy's built like a football player, man. You know, he's, a, he's almost like a, uh, Emmett Smith or Zeke Elliott or somebody. The guy's just built like a tank. And he pretty much had the assignment of guarding Damian Lillard and obviously did a very, very good job. That's what he's there for. That's what Blesso is there to do. And right now, the Clippers are starting, you know, of course, they don't have Kawhi Leonard. You know, when he comes back, the starting lineup is going to be different, of course. But they're starting Paul George, Bledsoe, and Reggie Jackson, along with Visha Zubat. And uh, in this particular game, uh, Nick Batum. And, again, the ball movement of the Clippers looks very, very sharp. Early on in this game, Paul George, he was hitting. He was lights out. But he ended up only 6 out of 16. Two of eight from beyond the arc scored 16 points in 27 minutes. Reggie Jackson himself. Now, Reggie Jackson is going to need to pick it up. You know, he signed that two-year extension, you know, 11 stacks per year, 11 million per year for 22 million, two years. He's going to have to play better. So far this year, he hasn't shot the ball that well. He was only six out of 20 in this game, only three for 15 from beyond the arc. They're definitely going to need better output from Reggie Jackson in order to stay successful. But even having said that, Three out of 15 from beyond the arc. Paul George, two out of eight from beyond the arc. The Clippers only shot 32.6% from beyond that arc last year. Of course, the Clippers were the best three-point shooting team in the league. And even with that poor output, they still beat Portland by 30 points. At one point, they had a 35-point lead. But shooting that that poorly from three-piece land is not going to serve you well throughout an 82-game season. So they're going to have to get better better at that. Uh, again, Reggie Jackson, only 6 out of 20 altogether. Zubach was 5 out of 6. That's what you're going to get from him. Eight rebounds. You're going to get that consistently all season. I was saying this last year during a lot of my episodes uh, about the Clippers. Every time you look at Zubach and his stat line, he's always 5 out of 6, 6 out of 7, 8 out of 10, you know, 9 out of 13, he doesn't miss too many shots. When he gets the ball down low, he does some damage. I, re- I remember Shaq commenting on Zubac um, in the, uh, I believe it was the first game that the Clippers had, and he said Zubac, he likes him because he plays like a big man. When he gets that ball in the paint, he doesn't waste any time. He's going up, and he's going up strong. He's looking to dunk. He's looking to dunk on you. He's not looking to fool around. He's not looking to finesse anybody. He's looking to go up strong, and that's what he does. That's why his stat line is what it is. I believe last year he shot over 60-some percent. So that's what you're going to get out of him. Uh, Batum was in the starting lineup. He was only one out of two, played 22 minutes, six rebounds, one assist, a couple of steals. And a little bit more output from Batum uh, that we're looking for. Again, only scored two points, but, you know, he's a pro's pro. He's a pro's pro. Once the season gets going good, he'll get into a groove, and you'll see Batum give you a better output than what he did last night. Uh, what was surprising last night was the bench play of the Clippers. I'll start off with Terrence Mann. Maybe not so surprising with Terrence Mann. He was five out of six from the field, one of two from beyond the arc, and that three ball he shot from the corner pocket 
uh, what looked like he broke somebody's ankles over there in the corner and just drained that three. This kid, if he can consistently shoot the ball like that, look out. The Clippers are going to be very, very tough to beat if you get Terrence Mann out there shooting jump shots. Remember, he had that big game last year in the playoffs, I believe it was against Utah, where he scored 39 points. You know, you're not going to get that every night from, from T-Man, of course. But if you can get some consistency, even the output, what he gave you last night, you know, five out of six from the field, you know, maybe his his shots, uh, the volume of his shots should increase. You know, he played 25 minutes, only shot it six times. Maybe he needs to shoot the ball 10, 12 times. But he's like the energizer bunny. He gives you great effort, 110% every time. He's he's very adequate defensively, maybe even above average on the defensive end. And he can rebound. He had five rebounds. He can also distribute. He had five assists. He had four steals, which led the team. I'm sorry. I take that back. Paul George led the team with eight steals. Eight steals for Paul George. And Terrence Mann was second in steals with four. They had 21 steals all together. So they were ball hawking. They were ball hawking the Portland Trailblazers. Now, the one player, obviously, the whipping boy that, that just I used to whip on him last year at all times. And, hey, just shut me up, man. Shut me up. You know, do your thing. Luke Kennard, cool hand Luke. I was on him, riding him all last year. I don't mind being shut up. Hey, say L.A. Ray, man, take this. 24 minutes, 8 out of 10 from the field, 6 of 7 from beyond the arc. You heard a little clip of him while Jungle Love was playing. Plus 22 in the plus minus column. He scored 23 points. I tell you what, L.A. Clipper fans, if you get that kind of production from Luke Kennard all year round, and then when, when Kawhi Leonard comes back, you're going to have a very, very good squad. Very, very good squad. I mean, Luke Kennard was doing his thing. You know, if he can't do nothing else, he can shoot the basketball. We know that. His defense is kind of suspect. But, again, you know, like Carmelo Anthony, he's just not a guy – who who has a defensive you know pedigree even though he came from Duke you know he's just not you know a lockdown defender or anything like that he's not going to necessarily embarrass you on the floor but Luke Kennard is in there to score you know let's 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 call it what it is he's in there to score buckets and that's exactly what he did last night against the Portland Trailblazers so hey if I stop riding Luke Kennard that means he's playing well so hopefully this year I'll stop riding Luke Kennard because that means he's going to be playing well, and that's going to bode well for the Clippers overall. And then this Hartenstein kid, Hartenstein, you know, he's a guy that beat out pretty much beat out Harry Giles uh, for the backup center job. 17 minutes, four out of four, nine points. Dude ran the break a couple of times. He had five rebounds, a couple of assists. Did file out of the game, no six personal fouls, but that's okay. Oh, that means that he was aggressive, scored nine points. I like the way this kid plays. I like it. I like his energy. I like his hustle. You know, he's out there to, you know, to, to prove a point. Hey, I belong in this NBA. And so far, he showed that. Now, Justice Winslow, now this is a guy, I mentioned this in my last episode, wasn't sure why the Clippers picked him up. But, hey, they have him on the team now, so he's a Clipper. 21 minutes, three out of nine from the field, scored six points. And four assists, three steals, a couple of blocks. Hey, again, pretty good output, pretty good production production from a role player. So for the Clippers, if you keep getting production like that from your bench and then your starters do their thing, 
then you're going to have a very, very good basketball team. Uh, Brandon Boston Jr., the uh, the rookie that I'm pretty excited about, he only played nine minutes, hit his very first NBA shot, a three-pointer. A three-pointer. Brandon Boston. Now, actually, that was not. He was just inside the, uh, the three-point line. From the top of the key, he shot that ball, but his very first shot was a bucket. And uh, Brandon Boston is a guy, hopefully, he can get a whole lot of experience. And if he's playing in these games, if the Clippers are blowing some folks out or, you know, if the Clippers happen to be getting blown out, which I don't expect that to happen too many times this year. You know, you bring in a guy like Brandon Boston Jr. and also Keon Johnson and uh, Jason Preston. Preston, when he comes back from injury, get those guys some minutes and get them some experience. But uh, Brandon Boston Jr. of those three rookies, I think, has the brightest future even though he was drafted in the first round and Keon Johnson was drafted in the uh, round number one. So the Clippers, again, they got off the schneid. They played very, very well. And again, the ball movement of the Clippers was very, very crisp last night. I don't know if it was just the Portland Trailblazers were just not in it. At, at some points in that game, their heads just looked like it was not in the game. And it was very easy for the Clippers to move that ball around the perimeter. They were throwing it inside to Zubac. He would kick it back outside to Reggie Jackson, who would drive to the basket, find the open man, whether it be Paul George, whether it be Luke Kennard, whether it be T-Man. And they were just firing away, firing away at, at the Portland Trail Blazers. So this team is going to be hell to deal with. Both of these L.A. teams is going to be, as you all know, my dream is for both of these L.A. teams to make it to the Western Conference Finals. And I know we're early, but that is my dream. I know some of the uh, Twitter followers, they, they, they ask me, hey, L.A. Ray, you know, you got, it's got to be one or the other. You know, L.A., you know, you're either a Clipper fan or you're a Laker fan. And I, what I tell them is I don't have emotional ties to either one of these teams. I'm just a guy who likes Los Angeles in general. I like the city. I like visiting there. I wasn't born there. I was born in Detroit. But I've always liked the the Lakers, let's say. And this goes way back to Jerry West. That tells, kind of tells you my age a little bit. And then when the Clippers came on the scene in L.A., hey, they are L.A. team, so I like them too. I like the Trojans. I like the Bruins. I like the Dodgers, the Angels, the Kings. I like them all. Everything about L.A. Because, again, I just love the city, love visiting there. So you're not going to get me to go one way or the other. On this podcast, I show both teams all the love, the Lakers and the Clippers. Show them both some love. One of these teams is going to win a championship this year. I really believe that, whether it be the Clippers or the Lakers. We'll find out as the season goes along. But one of these two teams will come out victorious and will be holding that championship trophy at the end of the year. So with that, LA fans, I'm going to leave it right there. Again, thank you for listening. Thank you all for all the support that you give me and that you give LA Courtside Podcast. If you don't want to miss any further episodes, whatever platform that you get your podcast from, whether it be Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, Odyssey, iHeartRadio, wherever platform that you use to get your podcast, make sure you find LA Courtside Pod and subscribe so you won't miss any upcoming episodes. And with that, LA City of Angels. Until the next episode of LA Courtside Podcast, peace. If it's a problem, I suggest you let it go. Got some over there on Hill and the Low. I beat the block.
lock up, you can hear me when I'm coming. If it's a problem, man, the chopper start drumming. drumming. All the hoes through their mind when they see me standing. Boy, lose their mind when they hear me coming. All the haters get to running.